This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to springboard this morning um, off what we'd spoken about a couple of weeks ago, talking about um, Peter walking on the water, Jesus in the storm. And so I want to springboard off of that and get into some other stuff that we'll probably carry on with for the next few weeks. Or a couple of weeks, I don't know, we'll just see what happens with it. Um, But I want to speak to you this morning about something that will change and affect your life in a very practical way. I often hear people sit and say, "Um, I I get so motivated about the things of God and I get so excited about the things of God, but I want to walk into a reality. I want to walk into an encounter with those things. I hear about what other people do. How do I do it? I want to get practical in this series so that I can give you an opportunity to be able to understand how I believe God really wants to work with us and what he's inviting us into. I want to speak about something that I've titled, what did I title it? The creative power of choice. The creative power of choice. Man has always had choice. Man has always had choice. When God created man, he created him, and God said, you know what? I'm going to create a being because I want somebody that I can express my love with. I want somebody, I want another being that I can take and that I can take this overwhelming sense of who I am and I can express it to that being. And so he created man. And when he created man, what he did is he put him in a a domain and he said, you know what, you are so important to me and I love you so very much and what I'm going to do is I'm not just going to plop you into a space, but he took time to make the place that he wanted to put you into. He loved you so much that he thought about every little detail. And he created the space that he was going to put you in before you were ever created. He didn't create man and say, gee, I wonder what you need. He said, no, I know who I'm going to create, but because I love you so much, I'm going to have a look and I'm going to create a space that's idyllic for you. And I'm going to think about every little detail and I'm going to put those things together and I'm going to create that space and I'm going to create a domain that is specifically for you. So that when you walk through that domain, everywhere that you go, and every time with regularity, you're going to have an opportunity to encounter my love for you. We do it in the most simplistic ways. And sometimes what ends up happening is we get so caught up in life and we get so caught up in our responsibilities and our duties and our performance and our delivery that we don't take time to sit and say, let me enjoy the blessing of what he's given me. I woke up every morning and I sit and say, today is an opportunity. Today is a blessing from him. What does it hold? One of the places that's so important for me to encounter his love for me is on safari. Get away from cities, get away from what we've created and go to what he created. And there's something about the solitude of being in that space where you can sit and you wake up early in the morning and it's quiet. And you see the sun come up and you hear the birds and you hear nature and you see the beauty and you encounter it. You see sunsets. You go to, at night, you look outside and you see the stars that carry on forever. We don't see the Milky Way here because we're too close to DC. We've got too many lights. You've got to get away from the lights. But when you get away from the lights, you'll see forever. When you get away from the lights, you look up and you suddenly realize how enormous the universe is. And it's a funny thing when you look at the sky on safari. Because the more you look, the deeper it becomes. You can't explain it to people. We, we, we kind of have a, like a little bit of a, f- a view of it from where we are here, but when you're there, it just it keeps, somehow keeps growing. It has magnitude to it. What I want you to know is this. God loved man so much that he thought about every detail of your life and he created a space for you. And he sat and said, I want you to go into this domain and I want for you to enjoy it. I want for you to encounter it. Why? 
Because when man walked along and man engaged with his world, when man walked with his creator, every time he turned around, he sat and said, it's just another expression of how much daddy loves me. The thing about love is you have to choose love. I can't force you to love me. You have to choose to love me. And so in that paradigm, God said, I've got to give you choice. I love you. I'll give you everything. But I've got to give you the choice as to whether you want it or not. So I'm going to put a tree in the garden. You can have it all. You can enjoy it all. Make the most of everything. Just don't touch that. Don't touch that, because when you touch that, what it says to me is, I'm choosing to walk outside of what you've given me. And I'm going to walk away from your love. It's our choice, not his. We don't, we, it's not that we separated from it. His love is always there. But what I'm saying to him is, I appreciate what you did for me. But my love, I'm going to go a different direction. It's a choice we made. God had to give us the opportunity to be able to sit and say, if you're going to love me, you need to be able to choose whether you can do that or not. And if there was one thing that we learned from the garden, it was that choices have ramifications. There are implications to the choices that I make. I think sometimes we're too impetuous in choosing how to do things. We are in a world that moves at such a rapid rate and with so much speed that we don't always consider the choices that we make because I don't have time to, because it's so much easier just to be quick and responsive in how I do stuff, quick and responsive in how I deal with people, quick in the way that I quickly engage with that emotion, quick in the way that I just grab hold of that thought and move in a direction. I don't stop and think, hold on, my choices have implications. Why? Because it's not always consequential in my life. There are times I can make decisions, and what I can do is I can create havoc, but I can just leave the weight behind me and move on. The question is, what does it say about you? Our choices become important. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved the world. God didn't love believers. If you are part of the world, which we are, he loves you. God so loved the world. Before anybody was ever born again, he was like, I love them. I love you. I'm sorry that you made some choices and you didn't want to respond to my love the way that you did. But it's never stopped my love for you. I love you so much that I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Jesus because he's going to create an opportunity for you to once again come into relationship with me. I want that rectified. I don't want you just to be at a place where you recognize a God who's out there, a God who's doing what he wants to do. I want to move into relationship with you. I want you to recognize I am a God that so loved you. You are consequential in my economy. I know who you are. Don't tell me that you love me unless I can encounter your love. Don't tell me you're going to marry me because you love me. But there's no expression. I need to accept, experience that. I need to encounter that. And each of us is different. But when you live with your husband, when you live with your wife, you begin to be able to read them. And you begin to see those things that are important to them. Those things that are consequential. You begin to read and understand the buttons. That when I push this, what I'm saying to you is, you're consequential in my life. I value you. You're important. And because of that, I'm investing in this. I'll do something even though it costs me my time and it costs me my energy. Maybe I want to do this and you want to do that. But I'll do it for you. Why? Because I love you. Love has to have an expression. 
God is not a God who sits and says, I love you, but you never get to encounter me and you never get to experience me. God wants for you to do it. When Jesus came, he not only paid the price for sin so that we could get into a relationship with him, but what ended up happening is Jesus conquered sin and death. And when he rose from the death, what he said is, I'm inviting you into something called grace. Grace sits and says, I don't only want to have relationship with you, but everything that is, in provi- is going to be provided for you so that what you can do is you can be, I can meet you in places where you can encounter my love. Right. When I wake up in the morning and I sit and say, you know what? The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And all of a sudden I find myself in positions that are favorable. I sit and I turn around. You know what? I should never have got that. Why did I get it? Because he loves you. Because grace opened a door for you to experience something and you can sit and say, I just want to thank you, Father, for that. Because you wake up and you walk through situations and circumstances and you go into into, uh, grocery stores and everywhere else and you walk out and you sit and say, I want to thank you, Father, that I'm still healed and whole. And I want to thank you that I don't have any kind of virus or disease or anything else on me. Why? Because he protects me. Why? Because he loves you. Because grace has made provision for you to experience that. Grace is about love in action. Grace is about an invitation that sits and says, I just don't want a relationship with you, but if you can understand who I am, and if you can understand what I'm all about, it's an invitation that says to you, I want to meet you at that place. I want to meet you at the place of blessing. I want to meet you at the place of prosperity. I want to meet you at the place of deliverance. I want to meet you at the place of favor. I want to meet you at the place wherever he has provided for you. That is the point where he's sitting saying, I want you to experience my love for you. He didn't just make a plan for us to have relationship, but he provided us to experience his love for us. That whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have eternal life. Whosoever, whosoever. That kind of covers the whole world if you're a whosoever. If you're a whosoever, what he's saying to you is, what do you want to do today? What do you want? Whosoever believes... Belief is not just making a choice. Belief is opening opening up myself through choice to sit and say, I'm allowing grace at that point to come in and redefine who I am. But I've got to choose it. I've got a choice to make. I think sometimes we have this concept that because God is love, what we do is we reduce it down to some kind of a a mysterious, philosophic idea that God is just love. I can live any way that I like. I can behave any way that I like. I can carry on any way that I love because God is just love. He'll love me any way that he wants. God will love you no matter what. But I want you to know something. God is not a robot. God feels like you feel. When I became a father, you begin to realize how consequential you are in your kids' lives. And the thing that touches your heart more than anything is when they turn around and say, Daddy, He loves you so much. Relationship for him is about you recognizing how much he loves you and responding to that love. What he's saying is, I don't want you to do anything for me. I love you so much. Grace has provided it. All I want you to do is sit and say, I recognize another expression of your love. Open yourself up and it'll redefine you. Invite it in. It's important for me, and what I'm trying to do is I want you to set, I'm trying to set a platform here for us to understand how much he loves us. I'm trying to set a platform so that we understand the fact that he wants to have a relationship with us. I want to set a platform so that you understand that God is not only looking for be, to be some 
God that's out there somewhere, but he's looking for us to encounter his love and experience his love on a daily basis. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it speaks about God, the fact that God is, has no favoritism. He is not a respecter of people. Do you know what that means? It means Catherine Coleman's not more important than you. God doesn't look down and he doesn't say, you know what, Billy Graham, he's a cool one. He gets to fly first class, the rest of you sitting in economy. He doesn't feel it that way. He looks at everybody and what he says is, I need for everybody to understand that everything that is available for me, my love in all of its entirety, in its fullness is available to everybody. The question is, how much do you want it? So we begin to realize something that's quite important because we start to get some definition as to how it is that I relate to him and he relates to me. And he's sitting saying, I will give you everything. It's all available. Jesus has paid the price. Grace is available to everyone. The question is, how much do you want it? To what degree are you prepared to sit and say, yes, I'm prepared to open myself to that and I'm prepared to allow that to come in and to introduce me to a new dimension of living that I've never had before. It gets down to hunger. It gets down to concepts like holiness. Why? Because what I'm sitting saying is, I want those things to redefine who I am. Jesus lived that life. The reason Jesus turned around one day and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't just talking about the fact that these are my actions. What he was saying was the words that I speak, the emotions that you see me express, the power that's in, in display, the way that I move, the way that I'm motivated. What he's saying is, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Every part of me has been informed and infused by who he is. He's looking to do the same with us. If we want to go to a deeper level with God, if we want to go to a higher dimension of experience with him, the question is, to what degree are we allowed? Are we allowing him to saturate us? Because he'll never do it without our will. He'll never do it without our consent. He always gives us the option to sit and say, do you want to draw the line somewhere? Or can I go into that space? We have a choice to make. What's so exciting about it is that you have everything available. I want, we don't always realize how much influence we have over our future. God's saying, I'm not holding you back. I'm opening it up. What I want you to do is I need you to come to a place where, first of all, you recognize it. And you go, I didn't know that about God before. That's why his word becomes so important. Because it gives us a paradigm for who God is. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know what God's will is in a situation, I don't know which way to go. But moving to that place where we recognize I can't do anything in that, but I can trust the word to come in and do something in my life in that context. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And um, I'm going to read through this. Starting at verse 11. Ah, Donna's on the ball. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. He wrote that for me. I got great news for you. God's not trying to be mysterious, and he's not trying to be too philosophic, and he's not going to try and drown us in theology. What he's saying is, let's get simple. Okay. Let's just get pragmatic here. Okay, let's deal with stuff at a practical level so we understand <clears throat> where we're going and how to do this. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it be on the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart. The word is near you in your heart and in your mouth and in your heart. It's quite interesting because it gives us 
um, an invitation or an indication as to three things. It tells us about his means, his method, and his motive. The means that God is going to use to do something in our lives, infect us and change us, is going to be his word. We've got to have his word. We need to hear his, know his word, the written side of it, because when we know the written side, it opens up an opportunity for him to use the written side to extend an invitation to us. When Peter was in the boat and Peter was down there and, and the, the storm came up and everything that was happening all the way around him, Peter had a point of reference because he had sat under Jesus. He had heard Jesus' teaching. He had seen what Jesus was capable of doing. He had a reference point as to what, what Jesus could do. So when he saw Jesus and Jesus extended an invitation to him, what he was doing was he was operating within a paradigm which Peter could relate to. It was a supernatural paradigm, but Peter could say, I get that. The, the challenge we have sometimes is that when we don't have a paradigm for God, what we, we, we put ourselves in a place where we can't hear his voice because the Holy Spirit uses the written word to extend an invitation to us. When we know what God's plan is, when we know what God's purpose is when it comes to something like healing, he can sit and say to us, rise up and walk. The problem is if I don't know what his desire is and I don't know whether he heals everybody, maybe some but not others, or maybe healing has passed away and I don't really have a reference for it, what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit doesn't have anything he could use in that situation. I need to know that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. I got to have the written word. The mouth is the method. With the mouth, confession is made. What is it saying? What have you decided? What have you decided? I have decided to follow Jesus. What are you declaring out of your mouth? Because your declaration speaks about, this is the choice I've made. What he's saying is, that's the method. The opportunity is available to you. What are you going to do? What is the motive? Because he wants you to realize who he is. And he wants you to experience that. I'm going to get into this a little bit later. I'll, I'll get into the, the, the hard side of it. Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. He's wanting to establish something on the inside of you because it, there is going to be a time where he's going to make a demand against that. That you may do it. Live life. Live life. As we move and as we carry on through life, I can tell you now, you're going to hit circumstances and situations. You're going to run into countless times through the day where you're going to have to make a decision. What I'm trying to encourage you to do is to be more alert as to what decision I choose. Because what I'm suggesting to you is the choices that I'm making are either keeping me where I am or redefining what I look like. And the problem with it is I've spent so much of my life getting to the place that I am right now is that I live out of rote. I don't stop necessarily and sit and say, hold on, is that the right thing to do? It's just that's who I am. That's how I behave. That's what I think. That's how I feel. And we embrace it all. And what we don't realize is God has given us choice because in choice is the opportunity to change It's not that we can't. We don't have to do it, but change is available to us. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you possess. What he's saying is life comes wrapped as a choice. He carries on. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. What he's saying is death comes wrapped as a choice. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. What he's saying is life comes wrapped as a choice. Death comes wrapped as a choice. What are you going to choose? What do you want to choose? What he's saying is this is not hard. 
Why do we make the wrong choices? Because we spend so much time being where we were and allowing who we were to define us that it's a comfortable space for us. I like to live in the boat because the boat is all about my history. The boat is what I know. The boat is what I understand. The boat is where I feel secure. The boat is where I'm comfortable. The boat gets back to my understanding and my training and my teaching. The boat is a comfortable place. Nobody wants to get over the edge of the boat, especially not in a storm. When you're in the midst of conflict and you and your wife are having a big to do about it, what happens? It's a storm. And the comfortable place in the storm is to deal with that conflict the way that I've always dealt with it. That's not the time where I want to sit and say, Father, you know what? I want to step over the side of the boat and sit and say, You know what? I just want to love you and live from a different position. That's not the place right at that time. At that time, I'm happy in my boat. And when I'm in my boat, I'm going to tell you what I think and why I think that way and why you're so wrong and why you need corrective action. and Why? Because that's my default position. It's when you're in the storm that the invitation comes to step over the side. It's when you're in the storm that the invitation comes and says, get uncomfortable. It's when you're in the storm that it suddenly says, you have choices. You want to live like you've always lived? Stay in the boat. Because you'll get to the other side and you'll sit and say, I saw Peter walk on the water, but I never did. We have choices. We can change our life. You may find yourself in a storm today. I want to tell you right now, the moment that you're in a storm, there are choices available to you. There are things that you can do. Peter's sitting in the storm and Peter's sitting in the boat and the wind is howling and the waves are going crazy and all kinds of stuff. Is I went out once. Do you know what a rubber duck is? Okay. And if you don't, that's your homework. Google a rubber duck. It's, it's like a little inflatable raft. When I was much younger, I had a friend of mine who was a big fisherman. And so we went out from shore probably the better part of about a mile. And we went out at dusk. It was kind of okay then. And then the sun set. And when you're about a mile out from shore and you're in a rubber duck, it's not peaceful like glass. It does this. And when you can barely see shore, it's an eerie feeling. And there's no st- there, there is no storm. That's on a pretty good day. I didn't like that feeling. <laughs> Never been on a boat since. <laughs> the point is, in this day and age, this is not, we're not talking about big trawlers here. We're talking about little fishing boats. And they're out in the middle of the storm. It's not a good place to be. Actually, you're talking life and death quite practically. You've got storms, you've got waves, you've got wind, you've got stuff happening all around you. And you're so busy trying to protect yourself and you're so busy trying to take care of your life when all of a sudden he turns around and he sees Jesus over there. He had to look to see. I want you to know something. You know what the problem with lots of people is? We're so busy battling the rain and the storm and the wind that we've never looked to see Jesus. We've missed Jesus in our storm. And if you miss Jesus, you're going to miss the invitation. If you miss Jesus, I'm just doing things the way that I've always done them as a fisherman. I'm so busy taking care of myself and making sure that I'm safe to get to the other side, that I'm living the way that I've always lived. It's when we take our eyes off the storm, when we take our eyes off what's happening around about us, and we sit and say, I see him. He's coming to me on the water. And when he comes to me on the water, I've got a choice to make. Where are you going to look? Where are you going to look? You see, when he comes to you on this water, he speaks and he says to you, come. And he extends an invitation. When Jesus walks into the storm, there are options available that were not available beforehand. Before Jesus walked into the storm, it was you and the boat in the storm. When Jesus walked into the the storm, suddenly there were options available that never existed beforehand.
First Peter, Second Peter. You haven't got this, Donna. It's just to keep you on your toes. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 says that you are a partaker of the divine nature. You know what that says? It says the moment that you got born again, the very life of God, his very nature came and dwelt you and lives on the inside of you. What it means is that Jesus goes where you go. And when you walk into the storm, he's there with you. And when you come out of the storm, he's there with you. And when you walk into the hurricane and the earthquake and the everything else that's happening around you, what it's saying is the nature is with you. What is he saying? I want you to be a partaker of it. A partaker means I want you to encounter what that's all about. What I'm saying is I'm extending options to you. When you're in the middle of the storm, I want you to know Jesus is there with you. And if we understand the nature that's on the inside of us, all of a sudden there are options available to me that I never had beforehand. He's sitting saying, do you want to partake of it? Grace will get you to that place. Grace will get you out of the boat. It becomes important because in all of life, there are going to be choices. And we don't always recognize the magnitude of what I'm choosing. One of the most For me, one of the most profound places you can go is when you go to the Vatican. Go to Vatican City and you go to St. Peter's. You cannot experience, you cannot express to people the magnitude of how big that is. You walk through doors that are probably three times the size of this stores that open up and the beauty people gave their lives creating a space it was a homage to God when you walk into that space there's just something about it that makes it reverential you can't say that because that's Catholic. You care about that, but God doesn't. Come on now. Come on now. But you experience it because you're overwhelmed by the magnitude and the beauty. And you look at it and you suddenly realize these people had such an appreciation for who God was that they gave their lives building something to this day when people walk in there it's like this was a monument to a God that was big in their life in that space you feel the reverence and it's important that we always have our reverence for God thing that's important is this the invitation that he extends to us is not to live in reverential awe to the expense of relationship he says I want you to know and I want you to be introduced to the God who loved you so much that he gave his son to die for you why is it important? Because there are so many people that have bought into the idea that to be reverential is to recognize a God who's out there, to, to reverence and to esteem him. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is a good place to be. But that's not all there is to the relationship. Because you, if you only live in the reverential law and you never walk into the relationship, you never walk into the love and the encounters. And we need the love and the encounters in our life. We need those places where God comes in and his love just overwhelms us in our circumstances and our situations because of who he is. I've got to hurry. I'm going to run out of time. If I run over a little bit, but I I just, I want to touch on a few things. Be careful in this day and age because I want you to know that it's always subtle well, it's not always subtle. That many times it's subtle, the things that we buy into. Yeah. And we don't always recognize the inherent danger within it. 
And what ends up happening is it leaves us trapped and away from where we should be. I want you to know something today. If you're a person of color, celebrate it. Because I want you to know, God never made a mistake. He loves you as much as he loves the next person. In fact, probably more so because you got more color than I did. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. Enjoy it. Life is full of differences because we have a God who is so consumed with the fact that creativity extends in so many areas that he doesn't make anybody else that looks the same. We are men, we are women. Some have hair, some don't have hair. Some are blonde, some are dark. Some are Hispanic, and some are are Caucasian. And some are black, and some are yellow. And everybody looks different. Why is it important? Because we live in a day and age where what's become consequential in many um, environments is to sit and say, you know what? Your color is most important. Listen, any time that there is any kind of bigotry or racism, I can tell you now, the church is against that. But what I want you to know is this. What's important is to understand this. Before that we ever define ourselves in any way, what we have to understand is that you are sons and daughters of the king. That is most important. Because the seduction nowadays is to sit and say, you know what, don't look at yourself through God's eyes. Look at yourself through your eyes. Anytime you look at yourself through your eyes, you're going to end up in trouble. I don't care who you are because you're always going to notice differences. You're always going to notice the fact that, you know what? They like this. They, they, and they like this. He's smarter than me. He's, I'm not as smart as him. He is brighter than me. He's faster than me. He's more athletic than me. Take your pick. Anytime we move to a place where we embrace my own perspective on things, I step out of my identity as a child of the king and I start to redefine myself. And when I redefine myself, I'm living by something which is my choice. But it's outside of the kingdom. Galatians chapter 3 talks about the fact that we are neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female, slave nor free. What is it saying? Relook the whole way that we view life. What's consequential in life is not the outward appearance, it's the heart. That's what he always invites us into. Can I go a little bit deeper with some stuff? We live in a very politically charged environment right at the moment. I think what's interesting about my perspective is that I get to hear a lot of things that people have to say. And if I don't know it, they're quite comfortable calling me up and telling me. But I will tell you this. I've had people who sat and said, I'm not sure I'm going back to that church because they've got Democrats there. And we've had other people who said, well, I'm leaving this church because they've got Republicans there. What is the problem? The problem is I had a choice to make. I had a choice to make. Do I define myself by my political affiliation or do I define myself as a kingdom citizen? I don't care what party you belong to. I can tell you right now, this is not about political parties because it's introducing us to something which is totally inconsequential to the kingdom. We're putting the cart before the horse. Our politics doesn't define the kingdom. The kingdom defines the politics. What we are first and foremost are kingdoms, uh, citizens of the kingdom. And as citizens of the kingdom, our responsibility is first and foremost to sit with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, talk to me a little bit about where I should be. Here's an issue right here. What is your perspective on it? Not because I sit and whatever my party's perspective is, that's the way that I go. We have so many people nowadays in angst. Why? Because I spend my life digesting political propaganda. And you know what ends up happening? I don't like you because you don't see things the way I do. You're not a card-carrying member of my party. So it's not a case anymore of being, we have differences of opinion. It's a case of, well, you've become the enemy. It's divisive. What am I telling you? What I'm saying to you is this. When you step out of the kingdom and you step into politics, you've just set yourself up for trouble. Get back into the kingdom. 
Stop spending so much time reading the newspaper and spend time reading the New Testament. Spend so much, spend less time on the news and what everybody else has to say about everything else and sit with and spend more time with the Holy Spirit and say, you know what? You tell me, Holy Spirit, because I know that you've called me to be a vessel at this time. I was never born at this time by accident, but you've called me to be a person of influence in this space. What is it that you want me to do today? Who are you going to introduce me to today that I can sit and say, let me just share with you the love of who he is and I'm going to introduce you to some grace so that you turn around and you sit and say, you know what? That guy was really nice to me. And they were a nice white person being nice to a black person. And people sit and say, who cares about color? That's right, come on. We are called to something else. We are called to elevate who we are. Right. We are called to be light and salt. And we lose everything when we look like the world. Come on. Come on. Sorry, my pants keep bothering me. Maybe it's a pants thing. I've got to tell you, uh, the reason I'm telling you this is because... I, I, Our choices are important because our choices extend beyond simply sitting saying, well, there's an idea or there's a second idea. What we don't understand necessarily is the fact that what we choose comes with the nature. Your choice comes with the nature and the nature redefines you. When I'm sitting in a situation and I have a choice to make as to how to deal with conflict, do you want to be a peacemaker or do you want to embrace Anger. And it's just simple two words. But what I don't always have an appreciation for is the fact that both of those words represent a whole kingdom behind them. And what ends up happening is when I sit and say yes to this, what I do is I don't just get the concept. I get the nature that comes with it. So when I sit and say I'm going to be angry at you, what happens? I don't just have a quick expression of anger. The nature comes in, and the nature affects who I am in its entirety. What ends up happening is, it affects me physiologically. I start to get angry. I start to shake. I can bang my fists on the thing, and I've got steam coming out all over the place. I raise my voice. I have thoughts that are not nice thoughts. I have feelings that are not comfortable feelings. They're charged and they're aggressive. And I make decisions and I do things that all too often later I regret. Why? Because anger didn't just come in as a simple little word called anger. It brought with it the whole nature. And what it's saying is when I said yes to that, I allowed it to redefine my moment. You are partakers of the divine. What he's saying is, I'm inviting you to come and partake of the divine. There are only two natures. The nature of righteousness and the the, the nature of sin. There are two kingdoms, sin and death versus life. You've got a choice to make. Because all of them have their expressions. And what they do is they bring with them their nature. If you turn to Romans chapter 6. Actually, Donnie, you can put this up for me. I've got to give you something to do today. Romans chapter 6, verses 12, and I'm going to read to verse 18. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. What it's saying is, you have his nature on the inside of you. And when you get into that place where you have a choice to make, understand this. His nature is going to extend an invitation to you. But at the same time as his nature... Sin is going to extend an invitation to you. You have a choice to make. It doesn't mean that you're not born again, but it's talking about where you are in the body. It's talking about where you're handling that situation right at that moment. What is it that you want to give expression to? Do you want to partake of the divine nature or you want to partake of sin? We have a choice to make. Let's just leave that up there, Donna. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Do you know what's so wonderful about the fact that you were born again? You have options available to you that people who are not born again don't have. 
I don't have the prerogative of sitting saying, I want to walk into love. I want to walk into peace. I want to walk into joy. I want to walk into kindness. I want to walk into goodness. Those are not available to people because it's not just the concept and it's not just sitting saying, those are things that I want as part of my life. When I make a decision to say, I'm grabbing a hold of that thing, what I'm doing is by confessing that I'm opening myself up to the nature behind it to come in and influence me. That's what grace is about. Grace is about the nature of God coming in its different forms to sit and say, I'm going to redefine who you are in that space. That's what God does for us. But I've got to make a choice. Donnie, you keep losing me here, man. And do not present your... For sin shall... Okay, make up your mind. Okay, we've done this one. Let's move on. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are under the, not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves, who, one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that through you... What? But, oh, I've got one... Got light here. And God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart and that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. What it's saying is this something is going to own you, either sin or righteousness. And we may have to make a choice as to where we want to go. But we're going to go one way or the other. Something is going to own you. And what you decide is going to give it access to your life. And what owns us begins to define us. We begin to realize as we walk through life and as we encounter circumstances and situations, recognize this. It is a draw to sit and say, who do you want to own you in the moment? Do you want to be a partaker of the divine nature? Or do you want to allow the nature of sin to come in? It doesn't mean you're not born again. But we want to know why we don't walk into a reality of what God has provided for us. Because I'm so quick to let go of being partaker. Because it's so easy to partake of my history. It's so easy to partake of where I've been. It's so second nature to me. And I have to be cognizant of the fact when I move into those arenas to sit and say, I don't want to be that person anymore. And because of that, I'm closing the door. And when I close the door, I'm opening it up. I want to be a partaker of something new. And I'm inviting you, Holy Spirit, to take that which you've shown me, the invitation which you've extended to me, and redefine who I am in that space. Choices are about redefinition. Choices are much more consequential. We begin to recognize at a very practical level that what I choose to walk in through every circumstance and every situation is giving definition to my life encounters. As a born-again believer, you have the nature of God on the inside of you. Partake of it! When you're in the storm, when you're in the midst, when you're in something that is where all hell is breaking loose around you, look for Jesus. Look for the invitation. Because when you find him, he'll extend an invitation to you. And he's only going to speak to you about the divine nature that's on the inside of you. He's going to sit and say, don't worry about that. Don't take your eye. Uh, can, can I make one point? Yes. Faith will get you out of the boat. Okay? But belief will keep you on the water. Faith will get you out of the boat, but belief will keep you out of the water. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What God wants to do is is establish a new reality to us, a new foundation to our life. And so once he's established on the inside of us, when we go through the storm, what ends up happening is Jesus and the Holy Spirit could make a demand on the foundation of your life and sit and say, this is what I want you to do. Don't worry about COVID. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. He'll make a demand on it. The thing about it is that'll get you out of the boat. But what'll keep you out of the, uh, walking on the water is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the promise. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Don't listen to the news. Don't look at the media. Don't listen to everybody else. Don't get sucked in. You keep your eyes on Jesus because that's where the promise is. What did Jesus say when Jairus came to him? Your faith has brought, me to, has brought you to me. Will you come and heal my daughter? And he said, yes. 
And he was fine up until the point when he got home and everybody was like, she's died. We, we're in mourning. What did Jesus say to him? Only believe. What was he saying? He was saying, what you believed about me and what you believed I was capable of brought you to me. Don't take your eyes off that. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the foundation. Build your house in your forward motion on the faith that uh, undergirds you. Keep your eyes on me. Your belief will see you through. Foundation, uh, faith will get you out of the boat, but your belief will keep you on the water. And that's all I've got time for. That's amazing. Before we, before we, can we all stand? Alex, do you want to play for us? I, I, I want to do this because I think one thing that is very important about the dimension that we're moving into is that God says, I want you to recognize the nature of what's behind things. And what he's saying is, the invitation is available to you if you will come and you will open yourself up to me, grace will do something in your life. Something profound. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know about the circumstances, the situations, potentially the challenges that you face right now. The offer that I want to extend to you is this. If you need prayer this morning and you want grace to meet you at that place, I want you to come forward. There will be people here to pray for you. There will be people here who will be able to agree with you. And there will be people who, if you don't have the faith for it, you know what? Piggyback on their faith. Okay? But... Uh, it's important for us in the season that we're moving into that you recognize the only one who can do something in your life is God. It's not about people and it's not about what you know. Put yourself in places where you allow him to come in and to affect change and bring about change in your life. Sally, will you pray for us? Where's the microphone? Ah, the microphone's gone. Father God, we just surrender to you. We surrender today to your divine nature. We surrender to love. We surrender to your grace. We surrender to healing, because that's your nature. We surrender. We just surrender to you. And we take on the divine nature, which is healing for our bones, healing for our hearts, healing for our bodies. We just surrender to that healing. And we worship you. We worship you for who you are and who you want to be in us and through us. We worship you. We love you. We adore you. We come before you because we are your people. And we thank you for your divine nature that you've given us. You gave it, you gave all to give us your divine nature. And we just choose to step into it this morning and receive and surrender to it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.